everyone. It's another week. This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether that be live at Joy 620 or you're listening to the archive or the podcast over at investinghope.com or Podbeam or Google Play or iTunes or Alexa. However you're listening to the show, we are grateful that you are. We have a lot to talk about today, as we do every single week, because, you know, in 2021, the news never stops. That's right. There's always something uh, to talk about. And so today we're going to look at a number of things. We're going to start with the Catholic Church and communion and those that claim to be Catholic but also claim to be pro-choice. Uh, and that is uh, including of the President of the United States, Joe Biden, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, and a host of other high-profile politicians that are Catholic and also pushing the abortion agenda. And so we're looking at what the Catholic Church is going to do. I do believe I saw uh, today, you know, while uh, Biden is out of the country uh, meeting with world leaders, I think he was supposed to have mass with the Pope, and that was canceled. So uh, we'll see what goes on uh, in the coming days and weeks, but I want to touch on that to start. Then we're going to look at uh, a recent survey that I spoke about last week concerning abortion and the the feeling of people across the country uh, when it comes to abortion. Should we have restrictions? Should we not have restrictions? And, of course, in light of the Supreme Court taking up the case uh, that they're taking up that, that has its sights set on Roe v. Wade, uh, we're going to look at what the media is doing and the narrative they're pushing in terms of the, the most recent surveys and polls. Uh, then we're going to look at Governor DeSantis out of Florida, uh, made some big statements concerning life and abortion. And if you haven't been paying attention, uh, and, and you, you, you haven't been paying attention to what's happening in Florida, you haven't been paying attention to Governor DeSantis, then I would suggest you start paying attention. Uh, Governor DeSantis is, uh, making some big moves. He's been making some big moves when it comes to COVID, uh, in the state of Florida and lifting restrictions and, and, you know, just last week or the week before, uh, there was a major cruise line saying that before you could get on a cruise again, you had to have a vaccine passport. DeSantis came out and said, absolutely not. You try that. We're going to find you. And then wouldn't you know, uh, that same day, the cruise lines came out and said, you know what? We're not going to, we're not going to require a vaccine passport to get on our cruise. And so DeSantis has been, uh, in front of a lot of folks, a lot of other states and opening the state back up, their numbers continue to, to go down when it comes to COVID. Uh, and they're doing good stuff there in Florida. DeSantis also, uh, making waves when it comes to critical race theory as, as a lot of other governors are doing, our governor included here in Tennessee. So DeSantis is somebody you need to pay attention to. He's even picking up the mannerisms of President Trump. If you've watched him speak, if you've watched him interact with the press, if you watched him interact with other political folks, uh, his hands, his his body language, his cadence, it's all very similar to President Trump. And, and that's not by accident, folks. Uh, President Trump has met with DeSantis uh, a number of times. There's talk of, you know, if Trump runs again in 2024, will DeSantis be his VP candidate? Look, I, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. DeSantis has no desire to be the number two. He just doesn't. Now, do I think Mike Pence will be the number two if Trump was to run again? No. I mean, I know we're early on in this process, but uh, Mike Pence will not be running with Trump again if Trump decides to run for office. Uh, I think it would be more like 
uh, Christy Nome, I think, out of, uh, uh, the Dakotas area, the governor there, uh, you know, she may, she may be the one. Tim Scott, uh, the, the senator out of South Carolina, who is amazing. He, he may, he may be a pick for a number two. Uh, seat, but but we'll see. We'll see what happens. There's been some recent polls. I wasn't planning on talking about presidential politics, but there has been some recent polls as of late. Uh, who would you like to see when it comes to asking Republicans and conservatives who they would like to see run in 2024? Who's the leading candidates? And you have uh, DeSantis uh, leading uh, Ted Cruz, one of the leading candidates as well. Uh, I'm sure Rand Paul, you know, with the work that he's done over the last uh, few weeks and months, and in particularly during COVID. Uh, we'll, we'll be on, uh, toward the top of that list as well. One thing to note, uh, what you saw in the, the, the last presidential election, you saw a very, very, very shallow bench when it came to Democratic politicians. Uh, it just wasn't, there, there's not a lot of great, uh, options there. Uh, what you see on the, on the conservative Republican side is a very deep, deep bench with governors, with senators, with, uh, with a number of folks that, that are, Mike Pompeo's another one that, that's probably gonna put his name in the hat. There, there's a, there's a lot of folks, uh, to pick from. So we'll see what happens. We're not gonna be talking about that, uh, in the near future, but I'm sure we'll talk about that on this show in the coming months. And of course, uh, in the coming years. So, but right now, let's focus on the Catholic Church and what's going on there. So the U.S. Con- Conference of Catholic Bishops, has repeatedly declared that the right to life is paramount. Now, we know this. We know the Catholic Church. Uh, they have been uh, staunchly pro-life longer than pretty much any uh, faith group. Uh, it's just the fact. Uh, they say that abortion poses a monumental threat to humankind uh, and that eliminating it is their, quote, preeminent priority, end quote, among human rights issues. Now, we're about to discover whether the bishops mean what they say. Later this week, from June 16th to 18th, the conference will discuss a draft document which recommends that Catholics who publicly support abortion should not present themselves for communion. Those pro-abortion Catholics include a regular worshiper at Holy Trinity Catholic Church in Georgetown, D.C., who just happens to be, you guessed it, the President of the United States. This will be an awkward meeting because an influential minority of Catholic bishops are Biden loyalists who have no problem giving him communion, including Cardinal Wilton Gregory of Washington. You could be forgiving for thinking that. However, painful the bishop's dilemma, this all boils down to theology and the internal politics of the Catholic Church. If we take a closer look, however, what we see is an argument about biology. It's religion versus science with the strange twist that Biden is the one advocating a doctrine and the church is the one adhering to the facts. When it comes to abortion, the dogma lives loudly with, within President Biden. Quote, when a human life starts is a personal matter, end quote, he effectively says. It's immoral to subject others to my Catholic standards, end quote. In fact, the question of when human life starts is no more a personal matter than the temperature at which water boils. Biden should pursue the intentionality acclaimed Carnegie stages of human embryonic development, which shows that a human embryo or a human fetus is a whole individual and living human being, not just a potential human being. It's incontrovertible, a scientific fact that all sexually reproduced human beings begin to exist at the start of the process of fertilization. By the same token, abortion ends the life of an actual existing human being with a truly human nature. 
When the human life starts is not a subjective political, religious, or personal matter. It is an objective, empirical, and contemporary scientific finding of the biological science of human embryology, which was instituted in 1942, coincidentally the same year that Joe Biden was born. The Carnegie stages continue to be documented, reviewed, refined, and advanced for scientific research and education purposes by a global organization of scientific experts. Biden's ignorance of this topic should be a cause of shame for Catholics and embarrassment for everyone else. Listen to this waffling from the vice presidential debate in 2012. This is what Biden said, quote, I accept my church's position on abortion as what we call a major doctrine. Life begins at conception. That's the church's judgment. I accept it, but I refuse to impose it on others. End quote. Let's stop right there for just a second. That's nonsense. That's like a Christian saying, I accept the Bible and the teaching of my faith that says there is one way. And that way being Jesus to get to heaven. That's the only way. But I'm not going to force that on others. Well, then you don't believe it. You don't believe it. What's the point of laws then? Look, I I believe personally that that murder is wrong, but I'm not going to force that on others. Look, I believe that, that, that stealing from others is wrong, but, but I'm not gonna enforce my beliefs on others. Look, I believe you have property rights and, and no one should trespass on your property, but, but I'm not gonna enforce that on others. What? What, what are we talking about? That's nonsensical nonsense is what that is. But it goes further. And that was the old, moderate, Joe Biden. Last year, he repositioned himself as a pro-choice fanatic to gain the presidential nomination. And he did that. Go look at the record. Now he's planning a strip away First Amendment rights from opponents of the Democratic's far-left abortion agenda. It's clear that one of the cornerstones of Biden's dissent from church teaching on abortion is ignorance about when a human being begins to exist. And this is something that the Catholic Church must address next month, in addition to the call for pro-choice Catholics to abstain from communion. Biden's hardline support for late-term abortions is not shared by most Catholics. Unfortunately, roughly half of Catholics are also comfortable with the mildly pro-choice position that Biden held until he surrendered to the abortion-celebrating extremists in his own party and the media. Now, why is that? There are lots of factors, but perhaps the most important is that millions of Catholics are mired in ignorance. The president claims that science does not know what a sexually reproduced human being starts to exist at conception, fertilization. According to a recent Marist poll, nearly 80% of pro-choice Americans are unaware that a human life begins at fertilization, and sadly, that figure includes Catholics. But science does know. Scientific ignorance about the fundamentals of human development is not a virtue, particularly among Catholics who have an extraordinary obligation to know, recognize, and protect innocent human life. This is especially critical for those Catholics, such as President Biden, who have the capacity to make an outsized impact in terms of influencing others and determining public policies and laws about embryos, fetuses, or other human beings later in life. The Catholic Church must align itself with empirical facts. The final document that emerges from this conference this weekend must spell out to ordinary Catholics and to the world at large that arguments in favor of abortion clash not only with church teaching, but also with objective scientific reality. And I talked about this last week, folks. We we live in the freest, most progressive, most productive, most amazing country the world has ever known. 
Yet, we claim that it's okay to abort a baby growing inside of the womb. And we have people with PhDs, with with all kinds of letters out beside their name, with degree after degree after the degree, getting in front of your television sets and getting in front of the camera and saying, you know, it, we don't know when life begins. We don't know if it's a life. We don't know if it's human. We just know it's women's right to end the life of that child. It's a fundamental right. You hear that all the time. It's a fundamental right. Abortion is a fundamental right, and we're going to do everything we can to continue that in our country. But the reality is everyone that sits on those, on those cable news panels, everyone that writes that editorial, every, you know, everyone that sits in front of the camera, sits in Washington or on a state legislature or, or, or in a black robe in the courts, it doesn't matter. What the fact remains, every single one of them, Every single one of them proved to you and proved to me that life begins at conception. You know how I know that? Because every single one of them, it doesn't matter how poor they are, how rich they are, or where they fall in between. It doesn't matter if they're a man, if they're a woman, if they're gay, if they're straight, if they're trans. None of that matters. Because the fact remains, every single one of them saw their life begin at conception. Every single one of them grew inside of a womb. Whether you're Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, or Andrew Wood, we all grew inside of the womb. So to say anything otherwise is anti-science. It's not just anti-theology. It's not just anti-biblical. It's not just anti-Christian. It's anti-science. We've, we've just spent 15 months celebrating science. Science is, they say, giving us vaccines. Science tells us to do this. Science tells us to do that. But when it comes to, hey, doesn't science also tell us that life begins at conception? Because it does. I'm called a crazy person when I say that. I'm called a science denier. Who's denying science, Mr. President? I pray that that the church, not just the Catholic Church, the church as a whole, would stand up boldly against abortion. We must. We'll talk more when we come back. So anytime a new poll or survey comes out considering or concerning abortion, it's important that we talk about it. I want to talk about it because there's a lot of things happening across our country. And, you know, it's funny. During election time, we, we celebrate polls that, that go in our favor. We denounce polls that, that don't go in our favor. Uh, and, and we do that with every issue. So, so what happens is, you know, somebody will commission a poll on the Second Amendment and, and you'll see it go one way or the other. And then, you know, maybe one side of the, the aisle will go, look, look at this poll. Everybody loves guns. And the other side will say, look at this poll. Everybody hates guns. And, and so we, we go back and forth all the time. And so you, what happens is you have the spin work. And, and so with abortion, the problem is when, when folks look at the polls, pro-lifers don't have the platform that pro-choicers have. It's just the reality. That's not me complaining. It's just being, being, being honest. And so when, when every cable news outlet is going to run with a certain narrative or, or uh, agenda, then, then yeah, they're going to make the poll say what they want it to say. And so last week, Gallup released new polling data on sanctity of life issues. And in their coverage, 
Many mainstream media outlets have attempted to argue that there has been an increase in public support for legal abortion. Now, we've seen a number of times that media outlets have done this, and a number of them, including The Hill, The Independent, and Forbes, have focused on this particular finding in their coverage of the poll, that finding being the morally acceptable. So 47% of Americans think abortion is, quote, morally acceptable, and that's a record high. However, it is worth noting that the percentage of Americans who find abortion, quote, morally acceptable, increased by only three percentage points from the previous Gallup poll on abortion conducted in May of 2020. What's more, this latest survey asked a number of questions about life issues, and considered as a whole, the data suggests a great deal of stability in public attitudes toward abortion. For instance, the same Gallup poll found that 47% of Americans identify as, quote, pro-life which equals the average pro-life sentiment over the past five Gallup surveys. Additionally, the survey found that since 2019, there has actually been a slight decrease in the percentage of Americans who want to see the Supreme Court uphold Roe v. Wade. Meanwhile, 52% of Americans report believing that abortion should either be illegal or legal in only a few circumstances, which is broadly consistent with previous Gallup polling. It's worth noting, too, that Gallup conducted this survey prior to the release of President Biden's proposed budget, which did not include the Hyde Amendment and thus would allow federal funds to directly underwrite elective abortion procedures. Since polls tend to find that taxpayer funding of abortion is unpopular, even among Democrats, it is possible that there has been a slight increase in pro-life sentiment since this was conducted. As a result of the upcoming Supreme Court case considering a 15-week abortion ban in Mississippi, life issues will be especially sal- uh, important this year. As a result, media outlets and survey research firms are likely to conduct numerous polls on abortion, and shifts in public opinion can affect both legislation and court decisions. Given that reality, some journalists and commentators will continue to spin poll results to give the impression that public support for legal abortion has increased. But pro-lifers should not be misled. A substantial number of polls from a variety of research firms show that public attitudes toward abortion have largely stable, been largely stable over the past few decades. And there tends to be strong support for both the Hyde Amendment and a wide range of incremental pro-life laws. Look, the reality is, when we look at the issue of abortion, most of these polls use the language that we've been accustomed and conditioned to hearing. So they just say abortion. Do you think abortion should be restricted? Do you think ta- and even in that you have 47% identifying as pro-life. And even in that when you say should taxpayers pay for abortion, vast majority of the populace says no, taxpayers shouldn't pay for abortion. But if they instead of saying abortion simply said, "Do you think it is okay to end the life of another human?" What do you think going to be the answer now, you may have some people go well it depends is it self-defense is it you know is my family in, in danger whatever but the reality is m- the vast majority of the populace is going to say no i do not think it's okay to end the life of a human being especially innocent human being i mean go ask anyone and if anyone says yeah i think it's okay to end the life of a innocent human being then they just may be a psychopath and we certainly have some of those in our midst. But see, we've been conditioned to talk about this issue as just that, an issue. 
an issue that doesn't affect me, an issue that doesn't affect you. It's just an issue that kind of floats out there that we talk about and get riled up about, but it doesn't really move the needle. But folks, it's not just an issue. If you'll remember over the last 15 months, there's been a lot of reports of hospitals being close to overflowed, uh, being flooded, and, and so many people, they don't have enough beds, they don't have enough ventilators, they don't have enough rooms, they don't, they don't have enough time, they don't have enough manpower, they don't have enough uh, PPP, they don't have enough of anything. And what happened over the last 15 months is we got worked up, we, we got concerned, we stayed in our houses, we put on masks. We kept our kids out of school. We closed down restaurants. We stopped flying. We stopped going on vacation. Everything changed. And and the bulk, regardless of what you may hear in the news, that, that some people say that, that we were selfish, the bulk, the, the vast majority of the populace in this country did everything they could to protect themselves and their neighbors. That's the reality. And so in that process, we did everything we could because we were told that, that there, there was a potential of loss of life. And we did lose a lot of lives. 500 plus thousand. But what we're not talking about is a million abortions that occur every single year that have occurred since 1973. We changing our lives for that. We marching for that. We getting worked up for that. We calling on legislators to, to do the right thing for that. No, you see, it's, it's all in how we're conditioned. So because that was the the only thing being talked about in news, whether it be print or TV or podcast or radio show or, or whatever, everybody was talking about COVID. You know, we don't talk about the 600 plus thousand people that die every year of heart disease. You, we're not going to we're not going to run that ticker on the, the cable news shows because that doesn't really sell the ads. That doesn't get the views. The same thing with abortion, you see. It doesn't get us worked up because for us, it's just an issue. Sure, it's an issue I'm passionate about. It's an issue that, that you're passionate about. But but how's it changing our lives? What are we doing to see that that would change? Politician, if you're listening to this, what are you doing to see that that would change? Next segment, I'm going to talk about uh, Governor DeSantis and, and some of his remarks concerning that, holding politicians accountable. But you see, as long as we see this as just an issue that doesn't affect us, but, but kind of floats out there as this political issue that, that gets us riled up every four years, as long as we see it as just that, then this is where we're at. The reason why we're starting to see movement is because of states, not because of D.C. D.C.'s done nothing. We've been told for years, look, just get us the White House, get us the, the Senate and the House, let that turn red, and boom, Planned Parenthood is going to be defunded. Last year of Trump's administration, Planned Parenthood received over half a billion dollars from the federal government. You see, D.C.'s done nothing about the issue. They tried, half-heartedly, 
But what we've seen is state after state after state after state, Mississippi, Tennessee, Louisiana, Florida. You've seen states, Alabama, Georgia. You've seen states go in and say, look, these are the things that we need to do. And you see what happened was they, we, we've made changes. Places around the, the country are starting to see abortion clinics close down. We've seen that in Texas. We've seen that in Kentucky. We've seen that in Mississippi. And so we're seeing a movement there. But as long as we see it as just an issue, it's going to take us forever to see any change. We have to see it as more than that. We have to see that it affects our neighbors. You want to talk about loving your neighbor? Then seek to end abortion. That's a good way to love your neighbor. We'll talk more when we come back. If you ever need a pickup, kind of a hey, a, a jolt of, of good energy, Huey Lewis in the News will bring that. Because that's the power of love. Right? And so so as we as we think about the conversation today, I now want to focus on what, what's going on in Florida. And, and look, the reason I'm bringing up Governor DeSantis is because the reality is he is becoming a front runner. Now... If Trump puts his name in the in the hat to run for president again in 2024, you're going to see a very small field of folks in that primary. Now, why is that? It's because President Trump has gained a certain level of popularity that if he puts his name in the hat, he wins the primary. It, it, it won't even be close in a primary. And so what will happen is, what I'm guessing will happen is the Republican Party would, would put all their support behind President Trump and then President Trump would pick a, a number two. And so you would, instead of the primary process, you would just have a, hey, it's Trump again. We're putting all our support behind him. He would start with the campaign tours, the rallies and, and all that. And, and then, so the, the question then would be who would be the number two? I, again, I don't think DeSantis wants to be number two. It, it just doesn't. It doesn't fit his M.O. He wants to be the guy. And so what, what Trump would probably do is pick a Tim Scott, who's a senator, African-American senator, uh, conservative, great guy. Uh, he would pick a Christy Nome, uh, who's a governor, done a, done a great job over the last 15 months and kind of, you know, uh, grown in popularity. She's going to be speaking in Iowa uh, in, a, in a couple weeks. The only reason that you would be going to Iowa to speak in summer of 2021 and you're a politician, you're a governor of another state, or you're a senator from another state, or you're a former vice president, the only reason that you're going to be speaking in Iowa is because you're testing the waters. And so in Iowa, in the very near future, uh, there, there's a, uh, a, a conference happening, and Governor Nome is going to be speaking there. Vice President Mike Pence will be speaking there. Mike Pompeo will be speaking there. And so all of those folks are testing the waters. That, that's why they're going to Iowa. In summer of 2021, when we're you know three years out from a presidential election, and so what all that means is Governor DeSantis is looking around and, and he's making his rounds and he's speaking at different parts of the country. He's become kind of this uh, very bold and, and some would say courageous in what he would say and kind of taking no junk off anybody. Uh, and, and so what some would argue is with DeSantis, you have everything that you had with Trump in, in terms of being outspoken, uh, not caring what the critics may say, and, and just kind of going his own way. 
The difference is DeSantis also uh, has a military career and, and has a, a some other things going for him that Trump did not have going for him. And so one thing, if you're not familiar with, with Governor DeSantis, DeSantis received his Reserve Naval Officers Commission and assignment to the Judge Advocate General Corps, JAG, in 2004 at the U.S. Naval Reserve Center in Dallas, while still a student at Harvard Law School. He completed Naval Justice School in 2005. Later that year, he received orders to the JAG Trial Service Office commanded or Command Southeast at Naval Station Mayport, Florida, as a prosecutor. In 2006, he was promoted from lieutenant junior grade to lieutenant. He worked for the commander of Joint Task Force Guantanamo, working directly with detainees at the Guantanamo Bay Joint Detention Facility. In 2007, DeSantis reported to the Naval Special Warfare Command Group in California, where he was assigned to SEAL Team 1 and deployed to Iraq when the troop, with the troop surge as the legal advisor to the SEAL Commander Special Operations Task Force West in Fallujah. DeSantis returned to the U.S. in April 2008, at which time he was reassigned to the Naval Region Southeast Legal Service. The U.S. Department of Justice appointed him to serve as an assistant U.S. attorney at the U.S. Attorney's Office in Middle District of Florida. DeSantis was assigned as a trial defense counsel until his honorable discharge from active duty in February 2010. And then he went on to do a number of other things. He was awarded the Bronze Star Medal, the Navy and Marine Corps uh, uh, Medal, and Global War on Terrorism Service Medal and the Iraq Campaign Medal. He was a U.S. House of Representatives and now is the governor of Florida. So that gives you some context of who Governor DeSantis is. Now we look at what he's been saying about the abortion issue. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has a long pro-life track record as the leader of one of the largest states in the nation. He has signed pro-life legislation to save babies from abortions and worked hard to protect Florida seniors from the uh, during covid when it comes to the politicians in Washington, most Americans are tired of the backroom deals that are made and the shady uh, swamp that so many Americans strongly oppose. So in a recent interview, uh, DeSantis went further in talking about this and other things. In an interview Wednesday with the Daily Caller News Foundation's Mary Margaret uh, Olihan, DeSantis responded to a question about how American voters can distinguish between a superficial politician who simply wants their votes to get ahead and one who is willing to fully engage in the important cultural battles. DeSantis said this, quote, The people that aren't supportive of the life cause, they're not people you want to be in a foxhole with on any other political battle. They are the first ones who will sell out to the D.C. establishment when the going gets tough, end quote. He goes further, One of the keys to determining that character difference lies in whether the politician is truly supportive of the right to life, the governor said. I think there, I think here's what I tell people in terms of right to life. It's important, obviously, on its own, but the people that, that aren't supportive of the life cause, they're not people you want to be in a foxhole with on any other political battle as well. And he went further. Well, here's the thing on right to life. When I became governor, I inherited the most liberal Supreme Court in the U.S. There was a four to three split by the time I became governor. But I was able to replace three of the liberals to make it a six-to-one court, and that's important because Florida had the worst abortion jurisdiction, jurisprudence in the country. Way worse than even things like Planned Parenthood versus Casey. So we've changed that. Now we've been able to advance pro-life legislation. When it comes to protecting unborn children from abortion, DeSantis has put his money where his mouth is. Last year, he signed a pro-life bill to require parental consent on abortion, even though leading abortion advocates opposed it. Senate Bill 404 requires a girl under 18 to have at least one parent's permission before going through with an abortion. 
The bill includes exceptions for medical emergencies and allows a judge to grant permission instead of a parent. It also increases the penalties for not caring for an infant born alive during an abortion. DeSantis was one of the featured speakers at the Susan B. Anthony List Pro-Life Leaders Summit in Palm Beach, Florida earlier this year. The governor said he wanted to, he wanted pro-life Americans to know he was a clear, he has a clear message that we will do everything we can to protect the unborn. Now, why do you think Governor DeSantis said that? He didn't say, I want Floridians to know. He said, I want pro-life Americans to know that I have a clear message that we will do everything we can to protect the unborn. He, he wants Americans to know because you're, you're probably going to have a chance to vote for him in the near future. If you don't live in Florida, you can't vote for him currently in, the, in his next governor's race. Uh, so he's talking to America there because he's thinking about a national office. Building a culture of life requires us to champion policies that fight for our most vulnerable. Today is about applauding the tireless work of advocates like Susan B. Anthony who defend life with vigor. So DeSantis goes on further, but, but the reality is you have candidates like that that are saying the right thing. And even as governor, he's signing the right bills. You could say that about our own governor here in Tennessee, Governor Lee, saying the right thing, signing the right bills when it comes to life and abortion. The question is, when these folks get on a national level, are they willing, are they willing to do the hard things? Because up to this point, we haven't really seen that. Now, with Trump, we did see him actually show up at a March for Life rally and speak. That's a big deal. First one ever to do that. First president, sitting president, to ever show up in person and speak. I was there. Big deal. Very big deal. They, they did a lot. He, he spoke in his State of the Union and said a, a lot of great things about life and articulated it well. But what we saw is not a lot outside of that. Now, they did institute the Mexico City policy where we're not going to pay for abortions with, with taxpayer dollars around the world. The Hyde Amendment was still in place. We're, gonna pay, we're not going to pay for abortions with tax dollars here in the country. Now, all that was undone when Joe Biden took office. All of it. And so the question is, are these politicians that are at a state level, when they get to D.C., are they willing to do the hard things? Are they willing to, to, to be on camera and say the hard things when it comes to life and abortion? Are they willing to, to read and research and articulate the, the life issue in such a way that brings more people into the fold? Or are they articulating in such a way, in such a way where people are running from them? Which is not that difficult, folks. You don't have to be angry and hateful and bitter when you talk about this issue. You can be compassionate, gentle, and humble. And simply say to anyone, if I was running for national office and I was being interviewed by a cable news outlet that leaned left, and they said, how can, how can you possibly support a ban on abortion when that's a, a, a women's right issue that was in, in, put in effect in 1973. My answer to that would be, well, first off, I think the the decision in 1973 was unconstitutional for a number of reasons. But outside of that, I believe life begins at conception. You know how why I believe that? I believe that because because me, just like you, Mr. Interviewer or Mrs. Interviewer, we grew inside of a womb. You see, we get a chance to get on this, this microphone and in front of these cameras because we get a chance at life. Somebody chose life for us. 
You know, we're walking around today. We're talking today. We're thinking on our own today. We have our own DNA today. We have our own blood type today. You know what? The same DNA that I have today as a 36-year-old man is the same DNA I had when I was growing inside of my mom. The same blood type that I have today is the same as it was when I was growing inside of my mom. The same fingerprint that I have today is the same fingerprint that I had growing inside of my mom. The same heart, the same kidney, the same liver. All of that. The same. Today as it was then. That's the answer we need to be giving them. You you give them that answer. They can't rebut that without simply saying, well, it doesn't matter. I think we should be able to end life. That's the only rebuttal they have. And that's a, a sorry excuse for rebuttal. We'll be back. So to continue with that, what I was talking about that last segment, look, when, when these folks get in front of the cameras, when these folks have interviews, it, it's easy to do when you're being interviewed by somebody that, that's quote unquote on your team. But, but what we've seen from politicians and, and from national leaders, even we saw this with, with Vice President Harris just the other day with Lester Holt. Typically folks would say, Lester Holt, who, who is a, you know, a decent journalist, uh, you know, for the most part, middle of the road guy, but probably leans left. He asked a simple question to the vice president. When, when are you going to the border? And her answer was, we, we've been to the border. And he looked at her and said, but you haven't been to the border. When are you going to the border? She started laughing because that's what she does. That's a tale. That's what she does when she gets a tough question. She doesn't have a good answer for it, And she gets frustrated. And she said, I haven't been to Europe either. But that doesn't mean I'm, I'm not doing something. You know, that's not prep. That's, that's a lack of preparation for it, for an interview. What she should have said was actually, I'm scheduled to go to the border next week. I'll be down there with the border patrol agents. I'll be meeting with our, our folks on the ground doing great work. We have a great team that are doing that. We have a great team that, that's making sure folks that are crossing the border are safe, that making sure that minors are taken care of and are safe. But I'll be down there next week. And then let's have this, uh, let's have this interview again and we can talk more about what I'm doing. Because you may not know everything that I'm doing behind the scenes, but, but that's on me. I will be there next week. That could have been her answer. Even if it wasn't planned, she could have immediately went to her team and said, look, we're going next week. Uh, because I just said it on national television. But, but see, she didn't do that. And what we see a lot of times with these national leaders is they'll get an interview and they're not prepared to answer the question. Because the, the questions are hostile. Well, how can you be against, against women's right? That's a fundamental right for women to have an abortion. And you're a male. How can you be against that? There's a number of ways to answer that without sounding like a hateful jerk. Here's another way. I could say, look, as a, as a dad to three daughters, and I'm married to a woman, and my mother-in-law lives with me, and I love my mom, and I love my grandmama, and I, I work with 14 women, I'm not against fundamental rights for women. I just don't believe that abortion, the, the act of ending the life of women and men in the womb is a fundamental right that I can get behind. Now, we can disagree on, on that, but the reality is I'm going to stand in staunch opposition to abortion because I believe that abortion ends a life. And it's just not my belief that abortion ends a life. The fact remains a successful abortion, 
A successful abortion means that someone was pregnant and after that successful abortion, they are no longer pregnant. So what does that mean? That means they walked into the abortion clinic and there were two lives. They walked out of the abortion clinic and there was one life. Now, if you want to argue that, then then what is a botched abortion? A botched abortion means that the baby survived the abortion. So the goal of every abortion is to end the life, not just end the pregnancy. We can say we can we can use these terms all we want, terminate the pregnancy, end the pregnancy. But the reality is a successful abortion ends the life of a human, a unique individual never created before that will never be created again. That's what abortion is. Now, once we once we agree on what abortion is, then we can talk about the policies that should should be or should not be put in place. You see, that's one way to answer it. Another way to answer it is, you know, in New Jersey, you can slaughter a cow. But if that cow is pregnant, you cannot slaughter the cow. Now, why is that? Because they're seeking to protect the life that's inside the cow. Well, well, if it's not a life, then what are we doing? Here's another way to answer it. Do you know that there are laws on the books that if a woman is driving to an abortion clinic to end the life of her baby and is hit by a drunk driver, that drunk driver, and, and she is killed, that drunk driver is charged with the death of the, the mom and the baby, even though she was going to go and have an abortion. You see, we have nonsensical laws on the books that need addressed. Now, we can argue back and forth about fundamental rights, and we can argue back and forth about what's constitutional and what's not constitutional. But I believe, to my core, that every single life is worthy of a chance. Every single one, every big major issue that we've ever taken up in this country, every war that we've ever fought is to protect Life is to preserve liberty, is to stand for the vulnerable. Yet in our country, the freest, most wonderful country this nation, this world has ever seen, we end the lives of a, of a million every single year, the most vulnerable. And I'm not okay with that. Now you get a national leader, a pro-life leader, a, a politician to say that in front of a camera, how do you rebut that? It would be interesting. We'll talk more next week.